loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket counts. He gets it over to the doctor. Tie ball game. Here's a shot, Julius. He, he scores! He scores! Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes down, and the game is tied. Here is Durant moving on Tucker. He turns. He shoots. Yes! Knicks, Nets, and all things across the association. This is Pick and Pod on WFUV Sports. Hello and welcome to another edition of Pick and Pod alongside Chris Persiani and Ralph Barbieri. I'm Colin Lochran. Pleased to be with you guys. This is my first edition of Pick and Pod. And what a day I've picked to come on board here. A lot of basketball news as the trade deadline is approaching within hours away. First of all, Chris, Ralph, how are you guys doing? Oh, man. (laughs) We got a lot going on. Um, I mean, we'll we'll get into it. So I'll save the the big trades for, you know, for the name dropping and whatever. But a lot going on, a lot shaking up. This trade deadline has turned out to be just as good as any other. Um, this free agency is weird. So I thought that teams would kind of hold on to their guys here at the deadline and then make those deals in the off season. But we're seeing a lot of guys moving around. Uh, and then because of that, and because I'm a sucker for NBA drama, I'm, I'm doing very well. Yeah. I mean, I would have to agree. Exciting stuff going on. Um, some, some moves that were maybe unexpected. Um, and maybe a few that were like people thought might happen. Um, so it's just, it's been as a, yeah, as an NBA in general fan, it's been pretty cool to see. Absolutely. And without further ado, let's get into the move that has really gotten everyone's attention within the world of the NBA, as well as the sports world. The Brooklyn Nets have officially shipped off James Harden of the Philadelphia 76ers. We'll get to the Sixers side of things first, but for the Nets, They got quite a bit back, including one problem child in Ben Simmons, as well as Seth Curry, DeAndre Drummond, Paul Mill. Oh, they sent Paul Millsap over as well. That's interesting aspect to this with the Nets. Oh, really? Yes. Paul Millsap is now a sixer along with his buddy, James Harden. Did not see that. But for the Nets, the main hole, including Curry, Drummond, really quite an interesting move. And Simmons, of course. Given the fact that Brooklyn just got spanked, by the Celtics, 126-91 the other night. They had a rough evening. No KD, no Irving in that one. They've dropped to eighth in the East. They bring in Ben Simmons, and they ship off Harden. How does this change things in terms of what they do potentially as we get close to this deadline, Chris? And how does this change their outlook in terms of chasing a championship? Man. Uh, hoo. This, this is big, dude. We've got two teams in the Atlantic Division. Uh, making making a big swap star for star um i am very interested to see what this does for brooklyn off the court if if like if kd because of this is like yo like kyrie like we need to get serious like let's all get playing you know whatever um i i i think that this puts brooklyn in a better position than people are thinking. I also think that, you know, for the Sixers to go from having a max slot being taken up by someone who was literally not playing games 
to James Harden, even if it's a late career or later career, James Harden, uh, that's really good. Um, you, you have Joel Embiid, who's arguably top five in the league right now, but is definitely. Oh, geez. I don't want to like get controversial here. I'll say he's definitely <laughs> top eight. Like he's like a, at minimum a top eight player in the NBA. I think if you don't have him top eight, you, you got to watch more Philly. And if you got a top eight player, um, having a guy on a max contract sitting around doing, you know, literally nothing is probably suboptimal. Um, and now you have James Harden. So I, <laughs> I really think, you know, you have to credit Maury for being patient, uh, for waiting to get his guy there um and and for holding out and making it happen like people thought simmons just didn't have that value um and and here we are you know absolutely i mean i look at this trade off the bat and the other thing that it really does those picks are going to be very important for brooklyn because does that open things up for them to make another move here i think it might because you're right in terms of what it actually does, the off-court drama becomes very interesting from this point on. Because Simmons was a problem in Philly. Is he going to be as big of a problem in Brooklyn? I don't know. I can't imagine him being an angel out there. If we've learned anything, it's that he's the type of guy that, that wants a certain amount of focus on him in terms of how things play out on the court, regardless of the fact that he can't hit free throws in the playoffs. But I digress. For Philly, this is a smart move, I'd say. Right, Ralph? Yeah, I, I would say it, you know, in, in my opinion, it feels like as, as fair of a trade as um, definitely the, the Sixers were going to get for, you know, for Simmons. Uh, like you said, they held on to him. Everyone thought, you know, they should just, you know, get rid of him for whatever. But, you know, it worked out in their favor. And, I mean, just looking at the the Sixers, it's like that locker room is restored. Um, I mean, you know, more or less, we're gonna, we're gonna see how they are they gonna gel. Um, but then with the Nets, yeah, I mean, Simmons, I you know, he maybe needed a fresh start. Um, I believe he wants to play, uh, but it's like you said, there's a lot of drama surrounding him, so. I mean, you just got to have to wait and see, I guess. I, I, I you know, he's got the talent. And I, th- I feel like a lot of people are, you know, haven't been, you know, acknowledging that while this drama's been going on, you know, obviously the way he performed in the playoffs. Um, but, I, but I think there's something there. And I think, uh, I think it could work out. I'm certain everyone in Brooklyn is rooting for that to be the case. Once again, Nets trade James Harden to the Sixers. Four, Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, two of those first rounders. We've talked about the Brooklyn side of this. I do want to pivot over to the city of brotherly love here. The big question, they're in a good spot as it is, those Philadelphia 76ers, towards the top of the East. You get a guy like James Harden. You add it to the equation with Tyrese Maxey, people of this caliber who, by the way, Tyrese Maxey, I like to claim I was one of the first people on that wagon to say this kid's going to be much better than anyone's thinking. And I'm so glad that he got an opportunity to kind of shine this season with Simmons being on the bench. I actually think Harden going there gives Maxi more of an opportunity to become a playmaker, but that's a conversation for another time. I want to think big picture here. Does this move 
really make the Sixers the class of the East. I know there's a lot of competition. Obviously, I'm very high on Chicago. I think they're a good unit. But I look at this Philly squad, and they're pretty good, especially considering I like who they gave up here. I know they gave up Curry. I know that might not have been everyone's favorite move, considering he has the ability to shoot from behind the arc there. But you didn't have to give up Matisse Thibel, who, yeah, the numbers don't jump out of you, but I like what he does as a kind of role player. You didn't have to give up Tyrese Maxey, which I've been talking about here. That was something I personally thought they were going to have to do if they wanted to get James Harden. I thought Maxey was going to be part of that deal. I thought the Nets would push that envelope. I mean, why wouldn't you? The guy has, is averaging 16.9 points a game, four and a half assists. The Nets didn't push that envelope. The Sixers escaped that bullet. And now when I look at the East, I see a situation where Brooklyn isn't as scary as they were last season, if they were scary at all with the way their health declined. Milwaukee, yeah, defending champions, but can they do it again? It's unlikely. I don't see it happening. I see the East shaping up, and I see Miami, Chicago, Philly as the top dogs. And right now, Philly looks pretty deadly, especially with James Harden now joining the crew. Man, I I can't even... I think it's Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Philly at the in the East right now. Um, It's probably going to be it. If we're talking real contenders, I I don't have Miami or Chicago um, in that upper echelon. I think Brooklyn getting Drummond, even though I have my reservations about him as a player is, is big for them. Um, I think Brooklyn might have another move in the works. Um, I would look out for them to take those picks they just got for Harden and parlay them with maybe, you know, like the salary of Joe Harris and Nick Claxton um, and, and maybe bring in a, a Miles Turner uh, or, or something like that. But I, I think there's absolutely room here for Brooklyn to have another trade on the way that would that would turn some heads. Um, and, and of course, we have to see where they are after that. But given where we are right now, I really think that, you know, if Kyrie decides that, you know, he'll play the whole playoffs, if there's a way for that to happen, like if he gets, you know, a plant-based vaccine or whatever (laughs) would facilitate that. um, I think Kyrie Durant, Ben, there's obviously something there. I I don't know if it scares me as much as Maxi Harden, Harris, Embiid, and, and the Sixers got to keep Thibel and green. Uh, I, I really like I really like Philly now, um, especially if Harden is motivated uh, to, to go out and, and maybe be serious for like the first time ever. <laughs> um, that would that would be nice. You know, uh, people have put Harden over AI for years and, and I thought it's ludicrous. Um, but now he's got a chance to go prove it in the same jersey. And I am absolutely not rooting for it to happen for transparency's sake because uh, I am not a James Harden fan. And I think people who compare him to AI on an all-time scale are nuts. Um, but, uh, you know, there, there he is in Philly, in the city of brotherly love, man. And uh, that, that's something that has happened. And I'm still working through that in my head. That's pretty nuts. Um, I, I really like what Ben does for Brooklyn, too, though. Like, uh, think about what Ben's problems are and think about that. He's going to be playing in a starting lineup with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, like both of those guys, you know, I, I think that's a really good fit. So did, did you have to give Harden up? Yes. Did you get picks back to make another deal happen? Yeah. So like if the trade ends up being 
Harden for Ben Simmons and Miles Turner, I feel like the perception would be different than just Ben Simmons and those picks or, you know, whatever, whoever they can get. Um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if Brooklyn went out and tried to use Claxton um, and, and Harris's salary and, and some sort of combination of picks to try and get a center. Man, if they can get Kyrie to play full time and they had like Ben Simmons take like a Draymond Green role, that could be something. That could be something. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're Brooklyn, you kind of have to do something else here at the deadline. I agree, Chris. I think Simmons being around two guys that can shoot the ball in Irving and Durant will help him. That is very reliant on the fact that Irving's going to come back full time which I don't see happening personally. That's why I have not included Brooklyn in my upper echelon of the East. It's, it's more of the fact that, all right, A, if you don't get Irving back, you're relying on Durant to be healthy the whole time and to be basically more durable than he currently is, which is, I don't see it happening. Even if he comes, we know if he comes back, when he comes back, he's going to be great. He's Kevin Durant. That's guarantee in life. You know, it's like death and taxes. You know what's going to happen. The guy's averaging 29 points a game, seven rebounds a game. The Nets will be fine if Kevin Durant's able to get on the court. My concern is when you get to the playoffs, is he going to be there? And question number two, are teams going to start to catch on to the fact that really that's all they got? Because if I'm an opposing team, I'm locking up on Durant as best I can, and I'm sending Ben Simmons to the free throw line. That should win you the series, and the only thing that's going to change my mind on that is if Kyrie is there, because then that gives you another option to think about, all right, this guy's pretty dangerous, because Patty Mills has been doing a good job. He's not Kyrie from a talent perspective, and for full pens trans- transparency's sake, also, I'm not a big Kyrie Irving fan, so it pains me to say that Patty Mills simply can't do the things that, that Kyrie can do, but I see this as a situation where if you're Brooklyn, you made some smart transactions. You need to make a couple more if you want to stay consistent in the East and really stay with the top dogs. Because, yeah, I, I get the fact that they lost last year against Milwaukee. I get the fact that they probably felt like they should have won. It came down to a shoe size in that second round. And you're thinking to yourself, all right, we get back there with a similar roster. We should be able to beat Milwaukee this time. And while I'm not as high on them as some other people, especially after the DiVincenzo trade, I really feel like they – won't go back to back it's very rare i don't see it happening but other teams in that east really pose a threat philly being the main one now and it keeps coming to mind obviously it's the news of the day but i go down that roster i'm just happy about who they didn't have to give up right i mean you got to keep danny green you got to keep matisse Thibel. not saying these guys are, are world beaters or anything but they're nice pieces that you form a cohesive team around and obviously the big one is this finally gives Joel Embiid a partner in crime out there that he's going to work with consistently. It's not going to be like him and Simmons bickering back and forth like an old married couple. It's, it's a completely different dynamic now, hopefully, for Phil. I'm sure that's what Maury is shooting for, especially considering the fact that Harden might be encouraged to distribute the ball even more now. I mean, yeah, the guy you know, he likes the ISO game. He likes the step back three. That's kind of his bread and butter. But who knows? Maybe he's got... He's got a big guy there now that can flat out dominate in the paint like Embiid. That could open up a whole world of possibilities for them play call-wise. Well, as you were talking, Colin, uh, 
Mr. Wojnarowski put out some information. You want me to you want me to throw it out there? Go for it. Tory Craig to the Suns. They get their wing. I'm upset that they didn't trade for Alec Burks. So that's that's my angle there. Um, Jalen Smith and a future second round pick heading to Indiana. The Suns infamously did not pick up Smith's team option for next year. They now trade him and a second rounder in exchange for a much more valuable wing when it comes to playoff time. Craig can play small ball five, can shoot the corner three, is about six nine, can play perimeter defense. I really like this move for Phoenix. Yeah, I mean, just there's been a lot of moves like that this deadline that really might not stick out to the casual fan, but for people that follow the NBA as closely as I venture to say we all do, it makes you take a second look and think, all right, things are in motion here. Teams are really getting to work. And with that being said, I do want to shift gears a little bit here and go around the room. Ralph, I'll, I'll pass you the ball on this one first. Has there been a trade that has particularly impressed you, surprised you, or, or one that might not be the, the marquee move of Harden to the Sixers that you think will make an impact here? Well, there, there's, there's two that really stand out to me the most. And I think it's the, uh, the McCollum trade and the Halberton trade. Um, that, that Kings trade to Halberton, Indiana, that is, that is a, a crazy trade. That's weird. I mean, that's a guy who is dedicated and it, it just doesn't make sense to, you know, for Sabonis to be there. Um, and then with that McCollum trade, it's like, I'm so convinced that Dame isn't going to leave at this point. And it's like, it's, it's, it's like they're blowing it up and yet they refuse to move Dame. So it's just interesting to see what, what uh, those franchises are going to do with that. Very, very curious <laughs> to see what happens here. Um, I, I, I want, did I want to get into this one, this one other trade that happened today. Uh, Collins, Collins team. Um, the Celtics acquired Derek White. Colin did not sound too excited. I feel like this is a, a fun conversation uh, to, to quickly have on the air. I'm willing to have this conversation. I'll tell you I, I would this. love to just quit, even just quickly, just get into this and, and talk a little, because I do think this is a big trade. It was a first round pick sent Derek White, you know. Right. I, I'd agree. I look at the Celtics right now. They're 31 and 25. They're probably on a road to get to the play in. I would hope. I mean, I, I look at this team and it is perpetual d- disappointment since 08. And a lot of that I blame Danny Ainge for truthfully. And, you know, obviously, since this is my first uh, route here on Pick and Pod, just let the audience know, hi, I am a tortured Boston Celtics fan that has been sold on the fact that Jason Tatum and Brown are going to work as a combination. I think they're both spectacular players, but I'm, I have my doubts on whether they'll work. I think the Derek White move is smart. I just don't know if it's building towards anything cohesive i like what he does points wise 14 points a game i think that's something that dennis schroeder can't do which is why i'm pretty happy with the fact that they at least got a guard that can score a bit more i also like his assist numbers i'm old school like that i like a guy that can distribute the ball a little bit gives you around five assists a game but i just wonder how this is going to play out because if you're boston you're not going to be competitive this year or next year i don't see it i don't think free agents want to come to boston I don't think they're going to want to come there anytime soon unless there's a serious 
regime change, not just giving Brad Stevens a promotion and hoping Ime Udoka kind of changes the winds there. But I, I like the move. I, I don't really mind what they gave up. I, I'm, I'm, I'm non-committal on saying on whether or not this is going to be looked at as a good move in retrospect. I just wonder if it accomplishes anything this year. Yeah, I don't think this year was like the parameters on like the Celtics outlook on this, though. I just think that like Richardson's having a great year from deep, right? And that's cool for floor spacing, but right. do you buy that long term? Um, I think career looks- numbers as a shooter would say no. And I think Boston made that evaluation internally, decided, you know, we always sit on our assets. Let's take this, sell high um out of first round pick and get ourselves a guy who brings us a dynamic we could really use which is like i'm not saying he's another marcus smart but like what if i told you like the celtics could clone marcus smart and like now you'd have two of him like you'd probably be you'd probably be pretty happy i don't know like Derek Derek white is six four can play good perimeter defense can shoot can handle the ball can play point guard but he's really like an off ball guard because he shouldn't be playing point guard point guard point guard um, I don't know. Just sounds like Marcus Smart to me. <laughs> I I think that he is really good. I think that um, Celtics fans aren't, you know, shouldn't be running around the block like celebrating this. I just think you guys should be happy. Like it's a, it's a good deal. I'm happy in so far as I won't have to watch as much Dennis Schroeder basketball. That's that's how I see this. I think you're also right, Chris. This year was not about winning a championship, but I I also think we fell into the same trap that. Knicks fans had fell into in that after the run to the Eastern Conference Finals in the bubble in which we were unceremoniously canned by Miami, there was the expectation that, you know, the Celtics would be back and that you had a core that was going to work together. And then last year, really, you know, the wheels came off the bus, so to speak. I remember watching that series against Brooklyn, and no matter how good you thought Brooklyn was last season, there were possessions where Tatum and Brown seemed to be lackadaisical making mistakes with the ball that you just can't make if you're going to lead a team so i like the Derek white move for them because it's it's something i mean they did gloriously horrible job in free agency in my estimation so this at least kind of makes up for that i'm not too mad that they gave up josh richardson i'm also not thrilled about it i'm kind of in the middle because you're right he was doing good from behind the arc i think the game of floor spacing was what they were kind of trying to push towards because it gives Tatum the option to have some more ISO basketball than what he might have currently or not currently excuse me previously had under yeah. as a head coach I just I wonder what, what what are we building here that's the question that I have for the Celtics and it's the same question I have for a couple of teams what is the goal for them going forward because it doesn't feel like there is one it, it doesn't I mean without a Without a pure point guard for this team specifically, I don't see them getting too, too much better. Because Tatum and Brown work well. They can shoot the ball. They can shoot off dribble. In some cases, Brown's getting better with that as he matures. But without a guy that can distribute, it ain't going to be worth anything. Yeah, I, I just think that, like, in today's NBA, it's really weird, but, like, you can – you can kind of moneyball teams in a sense without the um, 
financial aspect where like you just find, Hey, this guy can pass and this guy can shoot. And this one can perimeter shoot. And this guy's a center. And this guy's a good rebound. Like you can put together teams with guys, with weird out of position skill sets as so long as you have all the requisite skill sets. I think you have enough playmaking between smart and white and Tatum's improved passing and Brown's improved passing. Like, I know it's weird to tell you that four people are going to play point guard. Like that's not what's going to happen, obviously, but yeah, you guys have four plus passers now. I don't know. I like that. I, I, I like what weird lineups you can get into now um, with, with Rob will being your center. I also like that you can stagger smart and white. You could let, you could let smart run the bench unit now instead. You know, I, I just think I, I like this for you guys. Cause of, cause of what you gave up, it wasn't too much. And now you have a good player on your team. I would be happy. I'm getting anxious that the Knicks aren't going to do anything because um, I really hope they get something done uh, before this deadline to to clear out a vet and actually get some positive value back. Uh, I, I would be happy with this for, for Boston, for sure. Well, I'm certainly hoping it works out. As you know, I have my reservations. That might just be my my natural state of life to be skeptical on the Celtics' ability to do anything Fair. right. Um, Fair. But you've given me a perfect segue, Chris. I do want to get into those New York Knicks. Lost last time out in Denver, 132-115. Obviously not the season that they've been hoping for. That was compounded the other night with the fact that R.J. Barrett got left in too long by Thibodeau, was forced to leave due to an ankle injury. He'll miss tonight's affair against the Warriors because of that. Chris, I'll swing it to you first. Ralph, I want to get your thoughts right after. What do the Knicks have to do to kind of right the ship here because this season doesn't seem like what they were shooting for I think the expectations got blown through the roof after last year but even still I don't think anyone thought they were going to be quite this subpar or dare I say just flat out bad at times yeah uh the Knicks um it's tough when you try taking a step in a certain direction and you take a misstep and you have a coach really known to like double down on missteps and try to make things work. Like for the fans, like, you know, you see how many Nick fans right now are just think like the world is ending because we're not winning games in the 2022 regular season. Like <laughs> relax. I don't, this team, you gotta, you just gotta look at it from a different angle. Um, I, I think that if you had a team like the Orlando magic, who were bad for years and then, you know, tried to do a rebuild and they were where the Knicks are right now, which is they have a lot of young players that are good. They have a lot of draft picks. They have all of their own and other teams. They have cap flexibility. They have players with trade value. They have contracts that add up conveniently to certain contract numbers that are like, you know, typically representative of good players to, get back like they have a lot of these puzzle pieces set up um out on the table they're just not put together yet and people are freaking out because they can't see the plan um obviously when the front office doesn't speak and and you have to blindly trust like okay i can get that but there's nothing that this front office has done so far that would I would I don't want to say prove, but that should even suggest to people that like a lot of these things that are being um, a lot of these things that are being put forward, you know, like about the front office, about the state of the team are just like overly pessimistic. Um, I just saw a tweet like, oh, my God, Cam Reddish is getting DNPs for the rest of the season. Like 
I can't watch this anymore. Oh no. Like I'm, I'm sure that the Knicks gave up a first round pick for a player. They have no intentions of playing. Like, do you hear yourself? Like really, like really, 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 you know, this season for the Knicks has been a misstep and they know they have to pivot from it. I would be more concerned if they said they were planning on keeping everyone and that, you know, they're just going to ride out the rest of the season. Like, dude, I think they're fine. They're just, you know, Things aren't linear when you don't have a talent like Evan Mobley or something like that who can just skyrocket you to the top of the standings. You're going to have ups and downs. And last season was so big of an up that there was bound to be a downturn coming. This was like projected by many uh, before the season. And then now it's happening and everyone's like, oh, my God, the walls of Madison Square Garden are melting. And it's just like, all right. (laughs) All right. You know, I, I think the Knicks can be fine. I do think. They should take a youth direction after this deadline. I do think they should look to play guys like Grimes, Toppin, Quickly, Sims, McBride, um, and and obviously Barrett when he's back more. Guys like uh, Walker should not play at all. Guys like Fournier can play less, but should still be out there to space the floor. If they keep Burke, same thing. But, like, I don't need Burke starting at point guard anymore. You know, like, just let Quickly screw up. Let let the young guys make mistakes. You're you're not losing anything besides the game, which you were doing anyway. So I don't, I don't know how much it matters. Um, I, I would like to see them lose the way they've been losing, but do it productively. You know, like if you're going to lose, lose productively. Learn lessons from it. Don't throw the exact same lineup out there every single game and expect something to change. So, yeah, but that's that's what I've got in the Knicks. You know, I, I do think that there might be something small before the deadline, but if not, um, they're just going to buy out Kemba. I, I, I feel like I have no idea what else they would do. You know, it's tough. Am I wrong in saying that this feels like a very big asset building year for the Knicks? I'm just thinking about this in terms of what you said, Chris, from a business standpoint. They went out you- and traded for Cam Reddish, man. They took right. uh, they took Kevin Knox and, and Cam Reddish. And they swapped them. They, yeah, they, they fleeced Atlanta. It was great. Yeah, they, 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 did a, they gave up a first round pick to do it. But like, that's not a trade you make when you think you're making a run. Like Cam Reddish is not good right now. He's not. He's not a good basketball. Like I, I don't know what he's really good at right now. He's 30% from the mid-range, which is where 30% of his shots come from. It's not good, like objectively, you know? So he's a project, and you know there's a lot of potential there. Uh, you can look at his frame, his build, his skill set coupled with his size you can look at his high school tape the pre-college sample you can see there's a lot of potential there this is a clear trade by a team that's an asset acquisition mode i think you're spot on yeah i remember when the trade had broken through first of all i was very impressed with the fact that the knicks fleeced the hawks in the way that they did because while i agree with you i don't think reddish is a packaged and ready product at the moment I think he's the type of guy that if you give him some time, he'll turn out to be a really solid player, especially if you can get that mid-range shot down. That's something that you have. The defense I like. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, you need that because that was the whole thing last season was you had good defense and then you kind of traded up for more offense-oriented guards that, you know, it didn't, it didn't really work in their favor. I mean, they're bottom, they're bottom 10 in terms of points per game. So I don't see them lighting up the scoreboard necessarily. So maybe a a return to get some assets that can help you defensively might be the move for them. 
Ralph, uh, I got to get your thoughts on this as well. How do you see the Knicks kind of shaping up as we get closer and closer to the deadline? And really, how do you project this season to go the rest of the way for them? For the Knicks, I, I think the way that it has gone is the way that it's going to finish. Um, I mean, they're, they're, they're entering a state, like you said, similar to Boston. I, I like to call it like basketball purgatory almost, um, where it's like, yeah, they, you know, you, you can't see the changes. You know, it's the eye test. You're watching the games. And even like when they're playing, like the offense, like you see, it's like, what, what do they talk about in like timeout? Like it's the same thing every time, and we're so darn inconsistent. So we we're definitely in a spot where I, I also think like you know big changes need to be made. Um, I love the idea of uh, a, a youthful lineup. Um, there's so much energy and like productivity when our young guys are on the court at the same time. Um, I mean, I, I don't know if it's like panic mode yet. Um, but like this team, like, this is it. Like, you know, it's not gonna, we're not going to get better than this, this, this squad. So, I mean, I, I, I think, I think the fact that we need to make changes is kind of obvious at this point. Um, I mean, I don't know, even, even Dibs is questionable recently, to, you know, in my opinion with the, with the rotations and it's like, you know, it, it just feels like, it feels like they never switch things up. It's the same things every time. And that's what that's where the frustration comes. Um, it's when, you know, Julius Randle posts up at the three-point line, you know, backs down that into a, a double team. Uh, you know, he didn't do that last year, but he's doing it again this year, like uh, like his first year. Um, so it's just – it's a, it's a tough spot, you know. It, it's, it's definitely a, a downgrade compared to last season. But, you know, there are pieces there. Um, we, we show signs of, like, you know, of really being great, I think. Um, and, yeah, I mean, the, the trade deadline, you know, running out of time. <laughs> so if, if not now, hopefully, you know, something in the offseason. Because it's, we're in a spot where you, you just can't, you can't not do anything. You, you've got to make a move. Um, so yeah, yeah. I guess as for the season, though, you know, no, I, th- I think this is it. Yeah, especially if there's no trades. I think that. I think that the Knicks know they need to move off someone for Reddish. I just think they're playing it to the end to see if they can actually get something. Like this is not, you know, the Suns just traded for a wing. I'm not saying they would do this, but like, let me throw this out there for just money working reasons. Like, Burks to the Suns for Dario Saric and. The Suns have all their future picks, right? So the Knicks maybe say, hey, we want your 2025 unprotected first round pick. Uh, and, and you can turn Dario Saric, who's hurt and not playing, into Alec Burks. Um, and the Suns to that would probably say, we are not giving up a first round pick for that. Like, okay, so now the Knicks are going to play them for two seconds, right? They're going to they're gonna try to get two seconds out of Phoenix in addition to Saric. And Phoenix might have said, like, hey, we will give you our 2027 second round pick and Saric for Burks. And like, if you want that, you can come get it, but we are not giving you anything else. Like the Knicks have now spent time, you know, trying to get other deals, whatever. Like I think before the deadline, yeah, they might go back and grab a deal like that from someone, you know, just get a pick for a player, clear a spot, get it done. Um, 
I do think they're trying to make something a little more juicy happen just in terms of the draft capital they're getting back so that they can sell this deadline as, you know, just they went out, they got Reddish uh, with draft capital. They went out, recuperated draft capital and cleared the spot for Reddish. And that's it. Um, we'll see. We'll see how they play this. I, I definitely think that uh, this offseason, you know, moves are coming. This front office knows that this team um, – this team is again, like I said earlier, there's there's a lot of paths to them being just fine, uh, but I think that that this year that path involves clearing out some better. So I, I hope they can accomplish that. I will say this much: I'm the type of person who wants to be optimistic, so I'm going to be optimistic with the Knicks here for for two seconds, and I want to get your guys' thoughts on the two things that I think Knicks fans can really be confident. In. I think Chris, you've touched on it all throughout this little segment we've had here. Number one. You got a front office who seems to know what they're doing. I'll say that much. I think there definitely is something in the works in New York. I think it's very different from what happened in Boston, where it's a continuation of ridiculousness. But Ralph, I think to your point, the state is currently the same at the moment in that you kind of are in that state of purgatory where you're not in heaven yet. You're going to get there eventually. But it's going to take some time. What's different about it from what's going on in Boston is I definitely can start to see the pieces forming they're in that asset picking up mode and you have guys that know what they're doing all right rj barrett is the second thing that i think knicks fans can really hold on to because his growth in this season alone has been astronomical had a great game against los angeles it was a shame they lost that one by the way really i was rooting for them to pull that one out especially considering rj was having a career night that's something that knicks fans got to hold on to that's that's your guy I know last year everyone fell in love with Randall, and, and rightfully so in some cases. I mean, it's a franchise that has been looking for something to cheer about for the, the better part of the last two decades, I'd say. So once you get that last season and Randall had a great year, you're holding on to him. You're hoping, all right, this is, this is going to be our guy, especially since he wore number 30. I have a running joke. Fans saw him and went, oh, he wears number 30 like Bernard King years ago when they were just as bad and he was scoring points. But RJ's your oh, guy. Res respect Bernard King. That, oh, yeah. I love that Bernard was, King. That was, a, that was a real hooper. That was real hoops. Yeah. I love Bernard King. <laughs> Julius was Randall back, wasn't Bernard King, but Knicks fan. Day, that, was, that was real hoops, man. Absolutely. King, 60 on Christmas Day against the New Jersey Mets. Man, I wish I was alive for that. I, real, I think we both Real were. basketball. <laughs> I think we both wish we were, man. Bernard King was a legend in New York, and I think New York fans are looking for a guy like that that they can hold on to and say this is our guy oh for sure I, I agree i agree with you there i just think there's so many fans this season already that have turned on randall uh but what's what's most important is what the front office thinks right and i think they really know they don't need to treat randall like the king of new york if they want to win seriously i think that would be evidenced by their failed moves last offseason remember they went out they tried to get chris paul they tried to get kyle lowry and phoenix and miami outpaid them both and i think the knicks were smart to not try to outdo those bids for those guys services um but they've tried getting big name guards who will take the ball out of randall's hands like i think they know exactly what needs to happen they're just not in the business of forcing themselves into bad deals um or more risky deals than they would like 
I think just because of the job security that that Rose and Thibodeau know they have, like they've been given carte blanche to go execute their vision and they're not trying to make missteps as a result. Uh, I can respect it. I just also can respect fans getting antsy too. So, you know. I think if there's any group of fans who deserves to get antsy, it's Knicks fans. When you dealt with Phil Jackson, now you have a front office that knows what they're doing. Of course, you're going to be a little bit impatient especially after last year with the, with the highest of highs in recent times, at least for them. I really just think that everyone needs to shift their focus away from Randall's our guy to, no, no, RJ is going to be your guy for the next five to 10 years, hope maybe more. I, I don't know, you know how, as his career develops, how his play style will develop, that will certainly impact his durability in the association. Ralph, do you think there's any merit to that the fact that rj is going to be your guy moving forward and that this year he's taken certain steps to to proving that well i mean it's certainly you know julius right now is still the leader technically um but you know the the consensus with the with the fan base is that like rj will be the guy if a lot of people think like you know myself included honestly that like is his is basically his team, like uh, he's you know he's he's the Duke of York. Um, I man, it, the numbers at the beginning of the season, especially, may not have you know shown it, but he has been every season. He's been getting much better. This season, he is better than last season. Just, just the way he moves on the court, you know, he. I have complete faith in him and, and being, you know, once we're, once we are, once we take that next step, he will be such an integral. He's either going to be the one or the two, I think, without a doubt. Um, and it, it's, it's so funny because it's like, it's, it's, we've been bad for so long that it's like, we don't know what it's like to be in rebuild mode which is kind of what this is. I would say we're more in rebuild mode than we are just like, we're just like bad and we're going to be bad for years. Um, so, so that's what this feels like. But yeah, I think RJ is, yeah, he's the future, no doubt. Certainly a lot to look forward to for the Knicks with RJ Barrett's growth and development. Remains to be seen if they make another last second move here as the deadline ticks closer. That's going to be all the time we have today on Pick and Pod. Alongside Ralph Barbiari and Chris Persianen, I'm Colin Lochran saying so long, and you can find us on WFUV.org, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Pick and Pod is a production of WFUV Sports.